although I like steak too. We've been talking about the power of love and how it makes a way. It makes a way where there doesn't seem to be a way. And uh, it opens doors that cannot be opened otherwise. Tonight, though, I'm going to talk about how peace, see, the fruit of the Spirit is love, then it goes on to joy, peace, and so on. But some people have actually thought when he said the fruit of the Spirit is love, that all these others were subheadings yep. underneath like joy and peace. So we know love is the key, and that will open the door for your peace. And so tonight we're going to look at that a little bit here. So we're going to start with Philippians chapter 4 and verse 7. And it says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The peace of God, it goes beyond your ability to comprehend it and to understand it. I mean, you just feel it. I don't know if TJ's uh, watching tonight. He has been. Uh, when he came into our building, he worked for Robert's Pest Control, and he would spray the building. And so he told me one day, he said, I haven't been going to church because I haven't felt good in the churches that I went to. But he said, I haven't even been in a service here, and yet I felt more peace, and I haven't even heard a sermon or anything yet. So anyway... We know that uh, God's presence, it, it's like, how can I say it? It saturates, and there's residual. You know, in the Old Testament, it talked about Moses going into the tabernacle, and God would come down in the cloud and talk to Moses, and Joshua was his servant, so he would be sitting there, in the tabernacle to serve Moses. And so as Moses finished talking to God, then he would exit. And it said in different versions, one said he lingered there in the presence of God. So you see, even a building, although now in the New Testament, Paul wrote that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So when I walk around, the Holy Spirit's going with me. I'm a moving church. Each of you are moving tabernacles. See, tabernacles, I like it better than temple, really. But I like the fact that temples were made to be permanent. The tabernacle was temporary. It was, you could pack it up. It was like a big tent, and they moved it from place to place. But the temple, once Solomon built that temple, is supposed to be permanent. And when he dedicated it to the Lord, I mentioned this Sunday at the very end of the message, how out of David's sin came a marriage that eventually birthed the king of Israel, Solomon, the wisest man that ever existed. And in his uh, serving, you know, and he, he, I don't know how many cattle and sheep he burn offerings he made I'd have to go back and read it to you but it's in the thousands and so he 
sacrificed them before the Lord to dedicate the temple. And so the temple was dedicated, and Solomon went and laid down on his face on the altar and gave himself to the Lord as a sacrifice. He didn't burn himself up, but he yielded himself. The priest could not even enter the temple building because the glory of God filled it to such a degree. You know, have you ever seen some of the videos where people fall out in the Spirit? You've seen it in church where people fall under the glory or the power of Almighty God. Well, they fell outside before they could even get in because they couldn't get in. The glory was so powerful. And so, you know, where the glory of God exists like that, you can't have fear. You can't have a demon. It can't even coexist in the room with the glory of God. That's why a lot of people, when they come into some churches and there's no real worship, there's not much invitation, really, uh, for the Holy Spirit to come and have His way. Well, some of it's just ritual that they perform. Well, you know, the Boy Scouts do different rituals. I mean, a lot of different groups do rituals, but it doesn't bring the glory of God. I mean, you can do things that are moral and ethical and decent, but it doesn't mean the glory of God's going to fall on it just because of that. It's when you are a worshiper that the glory of God comes. God will not deny himself enjoying the presence of your worship. So he enters in by the Holy Spirit, and the power of God is there in his presence. That's why a lot of people, they wonder why they don't get healed. They might say a prayer or something. But when they're in the presence of God in corporate worship, God cannot deny himself. And when he is there, the glory is there also. That's why worship is such an integral part. That's why he loves it when we lift our hands. That's why he loves it when we shout and where we sing and we weep and we laugh and we enter in with all of our hearts because it's a, it's a pleasure for him to receive the worship that we have to give him. Amen? I hope I didn't drag that out too much. But anyway, he says here that the peace of God which surpasses understanding. That's because of his presence and because of his glory that's there. It, it helps to guard our hearts and our minds. The hearts, really the word heart in the Old Testament was lab, L-A-E-B. And it meant the seat or the throne of our emotions, our thoughts, and our will. So uh, the psyche people in psychology would call it the ego, you know, where your soul resides, basically. Well, the heart is where the emotions and all that resides. The mind is where your thoughts are. So he says that when the peace of God comes in, that it guards our emotions, our thoughts, our decision-making. It guards our thinking, our thought life, our minds, our ability to reason. He guards us. But also, we could look and also say this, uh, or I got it down in my notes a little farther maybe, but 
Uh, let me look at my notes here and see if I want to say anything else about it. Oh, I did want to say this. You ever see the signs, like sometimes a church will have a sign and they have slogans or sayings on the sign? And I remember seeing one that said, N-O, God, and then it says, N-O, Peace. But then it said, K-N-O-W, God, K-N-O-W, Peace. I like that. It's a play on words. No God, no peace. If you know God, you know peace. So it's a wonderful thing. When God is in the equation, you can have peace that does what it said, passes understanding. You know, the thing is, and, uh, you know, we think about it. What people ask themselves questions like, what, what do I do? They're trying to make a decision about something. Oh, where should I go? Should I move here? Should I move there? Should I switch jobs? Should I marry this person or not? All these questions come up in their thinking. But the thing is, if they had a peace of God about it, then they wouldn't have to question it. See? We know. If you know that you know in your heart and your mind, then you don't have to question whether you're right or wrong because you know what's right. You know who is the God. You know who is in charge. Now I'll say this. You know, it's not... The problem isn't just circumstances. We have a lot of different circumstances. Some of them are not easy. And we know God. We're born again. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. And we have circumstances that are difficult for us. But if you've got Jesus Christ in your life, it doesn't have to worry you into an anxiety attack because you have the peace of God. It passes understanding. I don't know, but I know this. God is with me. I don't know how that's going to happen or how this is going to get solved, but I know this. God is with me, and He's going to bring me through. You see, peace is not a destination. Did I say something like that up there, Philip? Peace is not a destination, but it's a state of being. You walk around. My body's the temple of the Holy Spirit, so the Holy Spirit's walking around with me. What's going to rock me? See, I don't have to arrive at a spot, so now I've got peace. No. Well, that spot could be down at an old-fashioned altar, or it could be getting prayer with somebody. It doesn't even have to be in church. It could be on the job. It could be at somebody's house. But it's not a destination. You don't have to attain to arrive there so that you have it. You have it because of who lives inside of you. That's why you have peace. So it's not a destination. I like that. But anyway, people don't find happiness through things. You find happiness because you have the peace of God to live your life, no matter what you have or don't have. What did Paul say? He said, I know how to abound, and I know how to be abased. In other words, he knows how to just barely afford to go out and maybe get some chicken nuggets, you know, somewhere. And, 
and get by and he can eat, or he understood how he could go to Colton's and get a nice uh, T-bone steak with baked potato and salad. You can tell I didn't eat supper tonight. I might have to eat when I get out of this place. But, you know, that costs a lot more than chicken nuggets. But you know what? You can live on either. You can make it that day by either. You know, many times people survived on a slice of bread and some water. You know, they were able to live. Maybe they didn't get all their nutrients, but at least they made it through a day. So we know how to abound and we know how to be abased if we have God's peace in the equation. Anybody ever used to listen to a man named Paul Harvey? He would tell you this whole story about somebody, and he'd say page two or something, and, but he'd usually say, here's the rest of the story. And he tells you how it evolved and how it happened and how, what the answer was. Let's look at, look at Philippians 4, and 7 was right in the middle of this passage, but we're going to look at 4 through 9. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always, Again, I say rejoice. In fact, Zach was preaching out of this passage for a couple of weeks, I believe. I don't know if he's going to be there this coming Sunday, but uh, we're going to have communion this Sunday too, by the way. So Dave, make sure you and Tara get them ready, all right? Anyway, uh, says, Rejoice always, and again I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Now that word gentleness was also in the old King James, I think, is moderation. Let your moderation be made known to all men. In other words, you don't have to make a pig of yourself when you go out to eat or something. You can be moderate. You don't have to show off and flaunt how many pieces of pizza you can stuff down your kazoo. You know, I, I went to Godfather's for lunch with my lovely bride the other day. I ate a salad, and then I ate three pieces of pizza. Now, when I was younger, when I was Caleb's age, I'd have to prove I could really chow, so I'd have to eat about six or eight. I was skinny as a rail, too. I can't do that anymore. I'd be laying on the side of the road holding my gut, saying, Oh, God, why? Why did I eat that many pieces? You know, but anyway, he says, Let your moderation or your gentleness be known to all men the Lord is at hand he's with you so you know what you don't have to overdo it with anything then he said be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God so we see there also well first of all we rejoice and secondly we uh, let our gentleness be known by people around us. And then thirdly, we don't let anxiety or worry control us for nothing. In other words, sometimes the nothing part is really nothing. We get to thinking about something and we worry about it and worry about it and we anticipate out of fear, which fear is the antonym of hope, and hope is the essence of faith. So if you have fear, your faith's not working. Faith is the substance of things we hope for, the evidence of things not seen. So faith is what we hope for. 
Faith is not what we fear, but anxiety comes out of fear. Oh, are we going to have enough food to make it through this week? Well, you know, you read that story or you've heard it before, even Joel Osteen, different ones used it, about the old lady that rented this place and there was an atheist that rented the place on the second floor. And she was praying and her window was open. She prayed and prayed, Oh, Lord, I need some groceries and milk and bread and some meat. And she just went through it. And so later on that day, the doorbell rang. She went out and looked, and there was a box of groceries sitting by her door. And she was rejoicing. She said, oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for providing my needs. And the atheist jumped out from behind the bush and said, God didn't provide that. I bought that for you. I heard you praying. She said, oh, thank you, God. You made the devil pay for it. <laughs> yeah. So anxiety doesn't get you anywhere. But faith in God with peace gets you everywhere. You know, you learn to be abound or you learn to be abased. So whatever it is, God is helping you. He is there to be your supply. He is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. He is Jehovah Shalom, our peace. I mean to tell you, it's an awesome thing to have a God that cares for us. Amen? And then number four, well, let's see here. Let me read some more. And it says, For nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication, sometimes you need to go through the process of what you're praying for. You know, I knew a gal up in House Springs when I was a youth pastor back in the late or the mid-1980s, and uh, she, she was close to becoming a spinster, you know, and that's somebody that never gets married. And I asked her one day, I said, well, Vicki, what is it that you're looking for? This one guy in the youth group, he was about her age, like 29, 30 years old. They were like leaders with me in the youth group. And I said, what, what's going on? She says, well, I know God told me I'm going to marry a minister. I said, you are? Well, most of them your age are already married. I said, have you considered? I said, this other young man, did he ask you out on a date? Yeah, but he's not a minister. I said, what does he do? He said, he's a DJ at the Christian radio station. I said, that's getting closer to being minister than the guy that works downtown, you know, at the bait shop or something, you know. <laughs> he is closer than you know. I said, could you maybe consider the fact that the guy you marry might become a minister? Sometimes we let ourselves be so rigid and we try to control it and we get anxiety and anxious and don't know what to do well that was like her when he said hey by prayer was supplication so she could have been praying Lord I come before you I'm not being anxious but I feel like you want me to have a minister as a husband one day I pray for him and I pray that if he's in a job and you want me to connect with him that I'll meet him and maybe one day he'll get into ministry classes with Pastor Ken and Maybe he becomes a minister one day. Well, see, you can pray with supplication. You can tell him about it. But it said, with thanksgiving. 
Thank you, Jesus. You're going to provide. You're going to bring this person into my life. I don't have to worry about it. I just have to blossom and bloom in front of the world. And there will be somebody come along that thinks I'm just it. Isn't that wonderful if somebody thinks you're it? Yep. I remember Dave, he came into the region and uh, he was single and has kids and everything already and he had been working in different states and he had come from like, I don't know, Washington or Las Vegas or somewhere he had been working and he was a blaster. He would blast dynamite and he helped build Highway 60 out here by blasting with dynamite to break up the rock. Well, then he went to a Christian bookstore in town or something. He asked them where a good church is that where they raise their hands and they praise the Lord a lot and play Christian music. And, and the lady told him about our church. We had just started down on Ditch Road across from where Alan Godwin's muffler, muffler shop used to be. So Dave went down there. You come about the second or third Sunday, didn't you? And he came in there, and wouldn't you know, Sister Tara was not looking for a boyfriend. She was not even looking for a husband. She had grown children and grandkids, and, and she, uh, she just loved going to church and being part of the prayer team and all that. And she said one, I don't know how long it took, a couple of weeks or whatever, and she saw Dave, and, and, and the Lord said, he's going to be your husband. She was like, what? I don't even want a husband. What is this, Lord? And sure enough, Dave talked to another lady in the church and was talking to her. She said, you ought to go over and, and introduce yourself to Tara. And she told him where her house was. Because, you know, not everybody running around cell phones all the time back then. That was 20 years ago. And so he went and banged on her door, and she opened the door and about had a heart attack. <laughs> Fell out in the floor. Because what she actually... To tell you the truth, after the Lord told her that, she had a Lincoln Continental, big old car, you know, and she went around over 5th Street. It used to be Broadway and turned into 5th Street, and then it went over the highway, went down, and there's a curve. She went around that curb and hit the curb and blew a tire. She was so flustered over the Lord telling her he, she was going to marry him. She was arguing with Jesus, you know. And you don't win when you argue with God. And so, you know, she ended up eventually, you know, marrying Dave. I mean, it happened quickly. And we had a celebration with them. <laughs> and they're still married today. They, they helped my batting average by staying married, I'm telling you. So anyway, we see that God, he said, we let our requests be made known to God. Now, Dave was the one who was looking for a wife. And that's why the Bible says a man who finds a wife, not a girlfriend, finds a good thing. You've got to have wife material to hang out much with them. But it said, in the peace of God, here it is, we're talking about peace. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And then the last two verses. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, <coughs> if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, 
meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. <coughs> Paul had learned how to walk with God, how to not worry, how to not be afraid, but he let peace guard him night and day. <coughs> Excuse me, got a little tickle. So we see some more things. What do we see, Philip? What's the next point? Okay, we talked about that. We let them see our, our moderation. We pray with supplication, thanksgiving, telling God our request, okay? Number five, only then peace will guard our heart and mind through Christ. And then what's next, Philip? Isaiah 48, 18. Here it is. Oh, everybody say oh. Oh, sometimes we say oh my. Or we say oh goody. Oh great. We have different responses. Oh, that you had heeded my commandments. The Lord's saying, I wish you would have obeyed me. Then your peace would have been like a river. You see, when we are afraid to obey God, we don't have peace like a river. He said, and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. What's point six? Peace flows like a river. You know, we sang that song. Oh, I've got peace like a river, peace like a river, peace like a river down in my soul. And then we go on and talk about joy like a fountain. And then love like an ocean. But peace is like a river. Rivers flow. You ever look at a river and it doesn't look like it's that fast unless you're up Van Buren going to Donovan. Now that river's got currents. That's why it's called Current River. But you go look at the Mississippi. It hardly looks like it's moving at all. That rascal's so big. Let me tell you something. Did you know that the Mississippi River back in like, what, the 1600s, before the United States actually owned the Louisiana Purchase, mm -hmm. that it was on the maps, it was called River of the Holy Spirit. Actually, it's Spanish. R uh, Rios de... Uh, Agua Espiritu Santo. You know, that's close. All right? But it was called River of the Holy Spirit. Man, you know, they knew something. And then that river flowed right down past New Orleans all the way and in Mobile Bay, right there, just outside Mobile before it gets all the way out into the Caribbean Sea in the Gulf of Mexico, they called that Bay of the Holy Spirit back then. You know what? We had a powerful revival at Brownsville Assembly of God Church in Pensacola that lasted years there. We've had powerful revivals in different areas. And you know, years ago the Lord showed me, He said, I'm going to have a revival that's going to hit the Mississippi River Basin and it's going to go both directions. Y'all ever hear me prophesy that years ago? Stephen wouldn't. He wouldn't hear that. Pastor Ken remembers. Dave, you remember that? 
I gave a prophecy. I said, the revival's going to go in both directions. It's going to hit the Midwest here, along the Mississippi River, up and down, and it's going to go out. And I still believe that to this day. I'm ready. I'm ready for it to hit right here and have a powerful move of God because this is the river of the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit. We're going to have a, a Holy Ghost revival. We really are. And so, what else do we see? Let me go over here to the next thing. Oh, number two, John 14, 27 says, Peace, there it is, I leave with you. Jesus, he went away so the Holy Spirit could come. But he said, Peace, I leave with you. The Holy Spirit maintains your peace. Jesus gives it, but the Holy Ghost maintains it. He says, My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. So let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. When there are things happening, don't be troubled about it. You know when he said it's not like the world, Stephen? Because you know what? When you have peace in the world... It means you're not at war. That's not the peace of God. It's not just the absence of war. The peace of God encompasses every area of life. It's not just, oh, we have peace, but people are still not getting along and they're still sinning and there's no revival. But see, when the peace of God comes on the scene, it's not just the absence of war. It's literally domination of God in a place and in a person's life. God's peace differs from the world. Let's see the next scripture, Philip. It says, Therefore, having been justified, this is one of my favorite passages, Romans chapter 5. Therefore, having been justified, that means just as if it had never happened. You sinned, but Jesus forgave you. You appropriated forgiveness. You said, I'm sorry, Lord. Please forgive me. Then he says, you're justified. In other words, you don't have a record. He abolishes your record. Doesn't hold it against you anymore. Wait, I'm not done reading that. Go back a little. It says, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So you have peace with God because you're justified. I mean, he gives you peace on top of that. And then we see... Point eight, by justification in Jesus, we have peace. So you see, all you have to do is come to Jesus. What did Paul write in Hebrews 4.16? He said, come boldly to the throne of God to obtain grace and mercy in our time of need. So, see, we come to God boldly. Lord, I need you. I made a mistake. Forgive me. <coughs> Help me to overcome. Help me do better next time. He says, that's all right. Better with what? He justified you. He doesn't even remember it. He doesn't remember your sins as far as the east is from the west. It's only when you bring it up over and over and over again that it stays with you. You don't have to feel guilty anymore. You know, I started a 12-step program here in Popper Bluff, and it was the first one here other than AA. Then Austin Montag 
who was with me in on it, and Frank Freeman and Mark Panagas and different ones, uh, then Austin started the 24-7 over in Rumbar, Missouri. And now we got it at Westwood Baptist. We got it at Fellowship General Baptist. Man, some of them even make dinner. So you can go over there and eat and have 12 steps. But, you know, the 12-step program is good. AA, it works, you know, if you read the blue book and really understand it well, it works. The only thing I don't like is somebody keeps saying I'm an alcoholic over and over. I'm not a sinner anymore. I'm saved by grace. I'm a Christian. I'm a believer now. I'm not going to make a negative confession. I used to have this problem, but now I am set free. Now, I understand the premise, but that operates usually in a world or a secular atmosphere. But when you're in the Holy Spirit atmosphere, I don't have to get up and say, I'm a drug addict. No, you're delivered. Are you a drug addict? You're delivered, aren't you? Man, if anything like it is in your past, God don't even remember it anymore. He doesn't know you ever did a drug because he has the power to forget. People don't forget. We're justified by faith and we have peace with God. Sovereignty. It's not just absence of war. It's freedom to be who He wants us to be completely. Hallelujah. Here it is, Romans 10, 15. And how shall they preach unless they are sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, <laughs> who brings the glad tidings of good things, not bad things. Man, I tell you what. It's beautiful to see somebody go out and share the gospel. Because the gospel is not, I'm going to scare you into getting saved so you go to heaven one day. That is a benefit. The gospel is the gospel of peace, not the gospel being scared half witless. So I say a prayer, so I go to heaven one day, they can say it at my funeral. No. The gospel of peace is where the Holy Spirit had domination in my life. And I, I used to have these problems, but they are no more. God doesn't remember those problems. I have total freedom and access to His grace and His mercy. And I can ask for whatever I want, and He'll give it to me when I have peace and the right mind. Now, if you're going to be carnal, He's not going to give you all that. No. He's not going to give you stuff that's not good for you. But when you're right with God, and you say, Lord, I need a vehicle because I need to go to work. I need something. I, if you're a carpenter, you don't need a little VW bug. You need a truck or, or a work van so you can haul your boards and lumber and you have your tools in there hanging up on the sides or whatever. You, you know, that's why when you pray, you ask specifically supplicate with thanksgiving. I thank you, God, that I'm going to get this truck that's going to have all my tools in it. And, you know, I talked to Tim. He, I said, Tim, you need to get you an enclosed trailer one day. He agrees with me. But you know what happens sometimes? We go on the Internet. 
on what is that called marketplace on Facebook or something you go on there and you find a trailer or something and you say oh my goodness it's $5,000 well you know what $5,000 is a drop in, drop in the bucket I started to say a drip in the bucket drip and a drop is about the same thing isn't it yep. eh? you know when you start thinking negatively you're thinking like you're not a child of God hey you know what if you need it God can provide it and he, it doesn't even have to come through money somebody can say you know what I'm retiring and I notice you like to do carpentry and you know I've seen you work and I don't have any use for this and I got plenty of money in the bank so I, would you like to have my enclosed trailer with all these tools hanging up inside and would you use them to provide for your family or whatever see he can provide it in a way you never dreamed, see? But we want to limit God and say, Oh, God, you know, I had this problem and nobody trusts me. They think I'll be a thief or I'll sell it and I'll go out and use drugs or uh, whatever, you know. But it's, it's not accurate to the grace of God and the peace of God. The peace of God guards our mind and our heart so that when we come before Him with boldness and we ask, we have the peace of God that allows us to ask with supplication and thanksgiving specifically what we need. Now, are you going to get it tomorrow? I, I don't know, unless the Lord spoke a word to me and said, you know what, I see somebody coming along and they got a trailer behind their truck they want to give somebody. No, you know, there's a chance I won't hear that. Sometimes I have heard things like that, and it shocked people. But we can preach the gospel of peace when we live it and we know that Jesus Christ is on our, in our life and he's on the throne of our heart. Okay, did we read? We read Romans 10 and 15? Yes. Okay. Well, here, this guy, I've never heard him on Christian TV, <laughs> but he is a motivational speaker. Big old guy. I mean, he's huge. Huge hands and everything. Tony Robbins, and he's written motivational books. And this is a quote. He says, start living like your prayers have already been answered. Don't walk around like a pauper, acting like a peon, when he's made you a king. You know, that story, Brother Gorman told it years ago, and then I've told it several times. I'm going to tell it again because I see some fresh faces. <laughs> and that's such a good story. But there was a king, he didn't have a son. And he said, I need to have a son to leave my kingdom to. He said, get the horses and the carriage together. And his footman got the horses and the carriage. They took him down and he went down into the, the city area and from his palace. And he saw this guy begging on the side of the road. He wasn't an old guy, he was fairly young. He said, hey, do you have any parents? He said, no, my parents are dead. He said, well, how would you like to come with me up to the palace? This guy ain't no human trafficker or anything, you know. He's the king of the kingdom. So he invites him and brings him up to his palace, and the servants get him to get a good bath and clean up, and they give him some fresh clothes and give him this little robe to wear and 
the, he comes down to eat dinner. The king's on one end, and he's on the other end, and they put chicken and steak and pork chops and green beans and potatoes and sliced tomatoes and cantaloupe and everything you can imagine, then topped it off with chocolate cake. And he ate so good. And then he went, and they showed him where his room was, and he went and got in bed. And the next morning, the king said, Get my son, my adopted son, and bring him down for breakfast. They went up there, and they saw the royal robe and all the clothes laying there. They said, Oh, king, you know, he's not up there. He said, Get the carriage. So they went, and they drove down the hill into the city. And they went back to that place, and here he was in his beggar clothes, sitting by the side of the road begging. And he said, what are you doing here? He said, I adopted you. I made you my son. I brought you up to the palace. You can have all the food you want. One day the kingdom is yours. He said, why, why are you here? He said, well, even though all that, he said, I just didn't feel like the son of a king. I still felt like a beggar. And so, see, people oftentimes, even though they say a prayer or whatever, they haven't allowed God to deliver them out of their disappointments and dysfunctions in their families and everything else. You know what? Whomever, everybody say whomever. Whomever the Son sets free is free indeed so when jesus makes you free then you're free you don't have to be tied to your old man anymore you're a new creation old things pass away all things become new and you can be and do whatever god has for you amen stand with me tonight hallelujah i hope this encouraged you Made you hungry. <laughs> yeah, I'm good at that. They called me the food pastor of South Florida when I lived down there. The kid must have been like 16 or 18. He was a young man. But anyway, let's pray that we don't be like the beggar. Lord, in the name of Jesus, don't let us have the attitude of a beggar. Let us have the attitude of a son of God and the kingdom of God and that we deserve to function with everything you have for us to get the job done, to do our purpose and show forth the mission and the vision of God. Help us to be everything you want us to be and function such as in Jesus Christ's name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right. There might be